Welcome back to another episode of Beating the Bookies. Uh, this is going to be the first one since Thanksgiving, so uh, happy holidays to you and yours. Um, it's going to be me and my boy Will here. We're talking about uh, um, UFC bets. He's our main UFC writer over at electricfactorysports.com. Has some really great content up there, so go ahead and after this, um, I know he's going to have this in writing, a lot more detail, so go ahead and give him a follow there. Um, and visit the website. Um, his Twitter handle is at EFSWill if you ever want to check out what he's taken, UFC and soccer, um, a lot of the time. But but going back to our last card, which I know was two weeks ago, um, I was able to uh, get a little bit of a, a couple good things late there. Ended up plus 3.25 units. Most notably, biggest bet there um, was Vieira winning money line and by decision. So got a huge swing there. Um, it was a, it was definitely a fun card to watch. Not nearly as fun a card to bet, I would say. Uh, what you think about that, Will? Yeah, I, I fully agree with that last part. Um, a little bit stressful to bet just because of how tight so many of the fights were. Um, I ended up coming out plus one point seven units. Um, and really, the main difference in our cards were. The juice we laid on Viera. Viera. Yeah. Um, I, think, I think you put four down. Yeah. Yeah, that was my biggest and bet. I, I put two. Uh, I, the, the one that really saved me going into that Viera fight was I had uh, Yaya. I think I played a money line. Um, and I did you only do him sub? Yep. I think that's, I think that's the main discrepancy um, in terms of units there. But, but overall, I think the card went pretty much how we envisioned it going a lot of close stuff a lot of really tight battles um which to preface i don't think this week's card has anything like that i think there's a lot of big lines and a lot of value we can hunt in this one um but i know will you've written a piece for us up on our website electrofactorysports.com just again Saying that in there that uh we you have a uh, a nice little best bet portion for each fight this week right yeah so I haven't gone full DGen in a while with UFC um, I've been limiting myself with how many fights I actually take action on and for some reason I'm I'm just getting the scratches to take every bet or every fight make one bet maybe two um, so just to preface that. I'm going to be reducing my unit size. I'm going to put more units out, but lower the actual dollar amount behind each unit. Um, just because I think it makes watching the fights a little more fun. Um, you have some sort of interest. You're more invested in every fight. Um, so the more boring fights, you still have something to cheer for. Um, so we're going to be throwing out a lot of units here. But just keep in mind that lowering dollar value and it's not as crazy as it seems. Completely agree. And again, guys, remember, um, we love to do this betting stuff for profit. Um, we had success in it in the past, but if it ever stops being fun, uh, take a step back, reevaluate what you're doing. Um, exactly what Will's saying there. Like at the end of the day, it's always it's way more fun to have two dollars on a fighter. Um, than it is to have, you know, 100 or 200. Like, just <laughs> a win's a win, profit's profit, just as long as you keep your units steady. And, again, if you're going to have more units out there, probably a smart idea to lower them. Um, but let's go ahead and kick it on over to this card, Will. Um, uh, you know, we're, we're for, for those listening, we're just going to go through each fight, um, give a one, maybe two-second uh kind of intro to the fight, how we think it's most likely to play out. Um, and then Will will go ahead and give you his, uh, his best bets. But if you go over to the website, you're going to have a much longer kind of paragraph type format where you can really see what numbers he's looking at. Um, so this first one's going to be Smolka versus Morales. Uh, will, what are you thinking here? Yeah, so I, I love the under on rounds here. I'm going to take under 2.5 rounds at plus one, 125 for two units. And then I'm also considering putting like half a unit on either a Morales knockout win or a Smolka submission. I think they're 
path to victory and for both of those guys. Um, and at plus 500 and plus 375, it's worth half a unit on it. Um, yeah. Smolka has some, some bad defense, if I remember right. Yeah, so Smolka leaves his chin very open. Um, and with a guy like Morales, it's not going to take long for him to punish you. Um, but I think if Smolka gets to the ground and starts hunting for a submission, he, he can quite easily get a finish that way. I love that. Okay, so next fight, and again, this is a 14-fight card, guys, so it's a big one. There was one uh, one matchup that was kicked, but uh, this next one, match 13, Puelles versus, oh, man, Grootsmacher is how I'm going to pronounce that. Um, I'm not. He's American, so I don't think it's as like full German as I want to say it. Um, but what you got here, buddy? This is the fight that I'm least excited about. Um, th- there's not a lot of value here. Puelas mainly goes the distance in his fight, takes it to a decision, but to complete two full rounds is minus 230. To go the distance is minus 165. Hate the value on that. Um, I think Kritzmacher is much more efficient and what he throws. So I'm riding with him. It's essentially a pick em. Um, I think Poilus is minus 115 money line. Kritzmacher is minus 105. Um, so I'm going to take the guy that throws higher volume. Going Kritzmacher money line at minus 105 for two units. And then I'm tempted to throw Kritzmacher to win by knockout at plus 350 for one unit as well. Yeah, I definitely don't hate those. Puelas has, um, I think, underwhelmed since his Ultimate Fighter performance. He he seems to be fighting a lot more for uh, to not lose rather than to win, which is really tough. Um, this next it, fight... It's just, it's just like a boring matchup. It's one of the perfect examples of what I was saying about the fight becomes a little more fun to watch if you have something on it. Yeah. So. Yeah, exactly. No, no, nothing big that we can't get back on one other fight, um, but it'll make it more enjoyable. Yeah, I completely agree. It's it's definitely like uh, that one's definitely the one where if you don't have any money on it, you run into the convenience store if you need a beer real late. Mm-hmm. Um, this next fight though is is actually one of my favorites on the card. It's interesting that it's so early too. Um, it's going to be Minifield versus Knight. Um, I love both of these fighters. I think they both have tremendous upside. And this is really, uh, this is a big, you know, honestly what it reminds me of in another sport is when the Patriots and the Colts used to meet, like, in the AFC divisional round. Like, there's nothing on the line. Like, it's not high up on the card. But, man, these are two guys that can really throw. Yeah, so I want to be excited about this fight. But at the same time, I'm a little worried that they're going to come out and basically give us uh, Francis Ngannou versus Derek Lewis round two and just be afraid to let it fly. Just scared of the other's knockout power, want to play it safe. Um, so my first gut instinct was to go under 1.5 rounds. And I'm going to stay away from that because I think they feel each other out for a while. Um, something I do like is for the fight to complete two full rounds at minus one time. Uh, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? That is, uh, so, so for y'all out there, I'm still going to be putting my UFC card out. Um, I am going to have my, my pick on this is Minifield by decision. So obviously by extrapolation from that, um, over, over two rounds is probably up there. I will probably end up adding that for this fight. I'm in complete agreement. Um, this is, fight has got all the hallmarks to make me excited, which is why I'm excited. And I just know it's going to be a letdown because Minifield has gas tank issues, as we've noticed. Um, it's something that we're, we're very familiar with at this point. Um, and Knight is a guy who recently in his last fight just went out and laid on a dude for 10 minutes. Um, so very, very easily could be one of those fights where violence is expected and none is delivered. Um, and I won't feel bad about 
you know, kind of doing one of those things where I'm gonna cover the Minifield decision bet. That's plus 300 for one unit. Um, I'll probably cover it with the over two uh, minus 110 for two units. And, and if the over hits, then I'll be super ecstatic if Minifield wins it. If not, I'm still positive. One other thing that I think is important to note about this fight is that Knight allows his opponents to land 66% of their strikes. He's got horrible strike defense. Um, and if Menafield can stay on his feet and doesn't get sucked into the wrestling trap, he is going to find the target and could potentially put him away. So something that I'm going to consider adding tomorrow, but not sure if I'll actually include it or not, is Menafield to win by knockout at plus 185. And I would just do like one unit on that. Yeah, that I think Menafield is the significantly better fighter here. I think Knight is a little bit better wrestler. Um, and he, just from what I've seen of him in the cage, looks to be a little bit... Uh, I'm going to say smaller, but in the sense of his height and reach are not as much, but he is every bit as strong as Minifield, which is a, is a, that's, that's a feather in his cap. Minifield is one of the scariest looking guys in the UFC. But a part of that is also, um, that always comes with gas tank issues and it always does because those guys just, you know, muscle weighs more than fat. And, you know, when you're slinging a 60 pound arm around all the time, you get real tired real quick. Um, but yeah, so my bets on that right now, Minifield wins by decision plus 300 for one unit. I'll probably end up adding the over two rounds prop in there just to give me a nice little cushion. But, uh, to see all of my, uh, bets for the day, go ahead and follow at Parmesan picks. That'll give you my final updates on what I'm taking. Uh, especially in the COVID age, it's always important to get the most relevant news before kickoff because sometimes it can go south real quick. Um, yeah, and I'll, I'll also be tweeting out my finalized plays. I know I've said a lot of I'm considering adding these or thinking about it, prop predicting the method of victory. Um, I'll, I'll tweet my full list of bets tomorrow before the card starts. Uh, yeah, it, it, you know, guys, and some of the stuff I can guarantee you is going to be based off of as we get deeper into the card, how the early card have gone. Um, there's no point if you're a gambler, y'all know if you're not hot, don't burn money in the furnace. Like sometimes it's just better to take what you put in. If it's going to be an L, maybe hope to get back even, but it's, it's never smart to just start throwing money on, on fires that you can't put out. Um, but this next fight, Will, I know – I don't want to say her name because it's wrong, right? Yeah. The, are you talking about Cheyenne? Yeah. Yeah, so another, she's married to a UFC fighter named JP Buys. Um, so half of the stuff you'll see online, like ESPN and the betting sites, will say Cheyenne Buys or Cheyenne Blissman, which is her maiden name. Um, but – I love her to win this fight. Um, I, I just don't think Mallory Martin is that ver or very good. She's had three fights in the UFC. All of them have been ended by submissions. She won one of those, lost two of them. Um, and Martin has decent jujitsu, but it is made to look a lot better than it truly is because she has fought the worst submission defenders around. Um, I, I think Cheyenne Baez has a massive, massive, massive advantage on the feet and will be able to stuff the takedowns enough that she can just piece her up for three full rounds and hunt a finish. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement there. Martin has just fought nobody. This won't be a bet that I take um, just because the lines are a little bit icky, um, but I completely agree. I Buys or Blissmas or whatever she's going by now. Um, JP Buys' wife will piece up Mrs. Martin, I think, fairly handily. So my, my play for this fight is Buys inside the distance at plus 300 for one unit. Yeah. 
I, I just think it's a I don't think she lands a big knockout punch. I think it's an accumulation of 130 strikes that end up finishing it for her. And we were talking about this too. Uh, Buys has historically been very close to getting inside the distance finishes, which is always, if you can find a finisher that's a woman, ride her into the sunset because those lines are always mispriced because it's rare. It's more rare um, in women's MMA to find a woman that can, can really finish. But I know she's like had where, where she's just run out of time with, you know, in the third round where if it, if it goes 10 more seconds, she's going to have a KO. Um, but uh, I, I do love that bet. And she's six and two. Um, if she can get it going down uh, in straw weight, she, she'll have a lot of momentum behind her, uh, which <coughs> is real nice. Uh, next fight's going to be Matthews versus Wells. We are in complete agreement here. Um, I think Wells is significantly better than Matthews, and I'm not really sure why it's priced this way. Yeah, I, I was blown away by this line. I'm going to be slamming Wells. Um, I just think Jake Matthews is so incredibly overrated. Um, if you want to hear a crazy stat that shows that, um, Matthews is 10-5 and five in the UFC. Only three of those 15 opponents are currently rostered in the UFC. Out of his 10 wins, one opponent is still rostered. The other nine were released after he fought them. And he has only fought four fighters with a winning record in the UFC and was finished by all four of them. Yeah, I I guess the knock on Wells here is that he's only fought once. but I definitely urge y'all to go look at what Wells looks like. Um, he's terrifying. He's absolutely Kirk, terrifying. Kirk out of marble, USADA's favorite new victim of random drug tests. He is terrifying. He is a he's a specimen. And not only that, but for me, the big thing about Wells is, which another guy in the card that we'll talk about later, um, will you know we can juxtapose him. Wells has gone the distance three times. He's fought in, five, er, in three title fights, all of them five rounds. Now, it was a lot of it's in CES, one of them in CFFC. But um, this is a guy who's, who's really fought in, you know, whether it's cage fighting champions or um, he did fight on the gone uh, Volkov fight night back in June. But this is a dude who won very handily in that fight. It was never close. He KO'd him with 30 seconds starting in the second because the first round was so bad. Um, I guess the knock here is experience, but if you are going to give me a guy for plus 150 who has little experience based against a guy who I know from experience is the the gatekeeper to staying in the UFC, I'm going to take – the younger, more explosive, stronger guy against the guy who's almost kicked off the roster five times. Mm-hmm. So what? What my like one liner for these two guys? If I were to describe them, Matthews, fine at everything but great at nothing. He's well-rounded enough. He can mix his striking and grappling. Wells is a guy that knows he can put you out with one punch and he doesn't care if he eats four or five on the way to knock you out. Yeah. He hunts finishes and he gets finishes. Um, so I'm doing in three units on Wells money line at plus 146 and one unit on Wells by knockout at plus 350. I see that the exact same way. Um, I think the value is there on Wells. The only reason I'm doing one unit on the knockout, I think that's the most likely way it happens. But Wells does have the ability to submit some guys. Um, so I just... Uh, yeah, in, in the past, he's done so much damage that his opponent just kind of crumbles to the ground and he hops and takes the back. Yeah. Slips in a rear naked choke. Um, and and if, for y'all who don't remember when Wells originally fought, um, Will, you want to tell him, because you sent me this video earlier today. It's the Curtis fight. Yeah. He, uh, he, 
it looked like the dude just kind of dead fished in FIFA. Like he just didn't. He he he. His body was. That that's the Chris Curtis. That oh, that's Curtis. That's Curtis. Never mind. So throw that away. Never mind. Not Wells. However, if Wells did it, I wouldn't be surprised. I'm going Wells. Uh, I'm gonna stop talking before I freaking get more fighters confused here. But Wells, I think, is just significantly better. Um, and and the biggest thing for me here is that the the value makes no sense. You're gonna give me a guy who I know is a knockout artist and who's done nothing in the UFC to dissuade me from the fact that he has unbelievable one-punch power. You're going to give me the tomato can of the division and you're going to make the punter the underdog? Sign me up. I'll take that every day of the week. Um, That, to me, is just so much value there. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm also on the three units money line um, and the one unit knockout. But uh, looking forward to the next one, uh, it's it's my guy. It's uh, it's Brian Barbarena, Bam Bam versus uh, a a short notice UFC debut guy in Damian Weeks. Um, and for those of y'all who don't know, my favorite thing in the world is to bet against guys making their UFC debut. My other favorite thing in the world is to bet against guys who are facing veterans on short notice. Um, and this ticks both of those boxes. Um, I love Bam Bam. He's had some really unfortunate scheduling issues um, in the fact that, you know, he's faced guys like Vicente Luque um, really recently. And, you know, another name on that Leon list. Leon Edwards, Colby Covington. Randy Brown. Like, guys that are that are known for, yeah. for bringing violence. Killers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, if we were on Rogan's cost. That dude is a killer in the ring. Like, that's that's how we talk about these guys. Um, but, Will, how are you viewing this one? I'm, I'm on Bam Bam all the way. Um, I, think, I think Barbarana handles this pretty easily. He's got a lot more experience. Um, he's hung with the best. He's insanely durable. He took Edwards and Covington to a decision. Got knocked out with six seconds left against Luke. Yep. Um, so he has a hell of a chin. Um, he's got decent enough wrestling. I know that uh, Weeks is sort of a submission threat based on his record. Um, but Weeks has been doing it on a regional circuit. And so he's really untested. So I kind of hold that 5-0 and undefeated record in a little bit different light. Um, I, I just think UFC experience like that is so incredibly valuable. Um, I, I really do expect Barbarina to test his chin big time. Um, like, example of strikes thrown by Barbarina uh, against Luke. Through 325 strikes, landed 195 of them. Yeah. Like, Max Holloway-level striking. So, I'm going to put three units on a prop for um, Barbarina to win by either knockout or decision, uh, even odds, for three units. And then I'm also going to add him to win by knockout, uh, plus 250 for one unit. Just try to maximize profit on that one fight. Yeah, I'll be leaving out the the KO by itself. Um, for all of y'all who don't know, um, most of our lines are drawn from Bovada or Bet Online, um, so readily available for anyone worldwide who's looking to bet. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm also three units on that Barbarena by KO or decision. Um, I think a decision is very likely. I also think that a submission is incredibly unlikely. Uh, Barbarena being the more veteran uh, type of guy is going to keep this on the feet. He's going to make a guy in weeks who isn't really prepared for this fight, who's going to you know stand up. Weeks will probably hunt for a KO in the first round. I don't assume that will go well. Um, and I, I easily see this one being you know, 30-27s across the board. Um, with a guy like Barbarena, who is not only a great striker, but incredibly accurate. 
um, with volume, which is something that a lot of people don't have. He's just gotten – he doesn't have the raw talent of Max Holloway, um, and he definitely doesn't have the agent who schedules him better fights because he has just faced some absolute killers, which is really tough. Um, but next next fight, I know we're a little bit split on this and, and how we think it, it ends, but I think we're pretty similar in how we think it goes. Um, it's going to be Kape versus Zumagulov. Um, I'm going to be honest. I'm not a Zumagulov fan, never have been. Um, but I also don't love Kape, which I think I can probably say for both of us. Um, Kape has almost completely underwhelmed. Um, he's in that style of fighters that I don't love, which is the late Tyron Woodley, um, the Leon Edwards type, where they just hunt decisions, are fine with doing nothing for multiple rounds. Um, I don't like it. But for me, one unit play, Cape inside the distance at plus 200. I just think that holds way too much value if I'm getting, a, a in my opinion, a significantly better fighter um, Zumagulov, I know, comes forward at a very high pace, um, and Kape could, uh, you know, in the uh, the the style of the uh, the the counterpunch, just you know, land a couple of good shots in here. That's how I see it going. But again, it's only one unit. This is not a big bet for me. Yeah, I'm also keeping it small in this fight. Um, I've been very underwhelmed by Kape. I think that. If fighters are pushing the pace and taking the action to him, he kind of strays from his game plan. He doesn't get into that flow state where he looked really good in his last fight. He got that flying knee. That was beautiful. It was an amazing walk-off knockout. Um, but he doesn't tend to continue to throw if people are putting the pressure on him. So with Zumagulov the way he pushes the pace, the way he throws at a high volume, um, he closes the distance very aggressively. And I think that could be enough to steal a decision. Um, so I, I'm taking Zumagulov money line at plus 210. I think that's just a good value for an underdog play against a guy that hasn't been consistent um, and I just cannot justify him being a minus 270 favorite after what we've seen so far. But the one thing I am terrified of is Kape hitting another flying knee. As soon as Zumagulov starts pushing forward, he drops his hands, he starts throwing aggressively, leaves his chin very open. Um, so it's another beautiful opportunity for Kape to hit another flying knee have another highlight reel knockout uh this you know a lot of this to me is like you can see with the matchmakers kind of how they think of a fighter i think they like cape i think they have they think that he has a lot of potential and they're trying to drag that aggressive and get him more comfortable with guys who come forward at him which is what Zumagulov does um he's also portuguese which is a big plus the UFC's never had a big fighter out of Portugal, um, which is a huge market for them. But, uh, yeah, I just – look, I don't love this fight. I definitely, as you said, I'm underwhelmed with Cape as well. Uh, he needs to get better, and he needs to get better fast. And, you know, if he can't hang with a guy like Zumagulov who's coming at him, he'll, he'll be cut from the ro roster within the next year. Um, mm -hmm. Next fight, which is our – Speaking of guys that are not going to be on the <laughs> Yep, here we go. Um, this, to me, I actually like this spot. It's going to be Maki Patolo versus Todorovic. I think Maki wins here. Um, Todorovic, to me, has just been another guy. I think how underwhelming Will thinks Kape is, I'm in the same camp of Todorovic. Um, this is a guy who's got everything going for him. You know, he's fighting at 185 at 6'1". Um, he's got a really nice reach. Um, and he has just really struggled in the UFC. You know, this is a guy, when you go on the Dana White's Contender Series, you're supposed to hunt knockouts. He gets a three-round decision. He then has a KO of Townsend um, early or late in 2020. But, 
these last two fights he's had in 2021, he got pieced up. It was like it wasn't close. Soriano KO'd him. Rodriguez had a really easy decision over him. Um, he's a guy who drops his hands a lot because he's used to being so big. Um, and if there's a guy who I think can can get on top of that, it's Maki, aka Coconut Bombs Patolo, who's gonna just bring in some heavy hands um, and get a KO here. That that's how I think it's gonna be. I will say this: I think that. Uh, Maki has had a, another guy who's had really big s- scheduling woes. Impa um, Kasangane is not an easy fight. Uh, neither is uh, Julian Marquez. Like th- these are those are guys who um, are on the up and up. You know, those are guys who who beat guys like Alvi. Um, and Impa is obviously a terrifying specimen. So I think Maki's had a little bit of a scheduling issue. This, to me, is the UFC throwing him a bone, saying, hey, go ahead and get a win here. Um, they're putting him near the top. Uh, they're putting him as the uh, the first fight off the main card. So I do think they they think that he, one of them is going to be hunting a KO. And if that's the case, I'm going to take the guy uh, who doesn't drop his hands against opponents. Yeah, so I, I don't like this fight. Um them i would be looking for a new camp because they continue to go in with the same game plan of i'm gonna stand in the middle and just bang like we're just gonna brawl and it's not working for them yeah they cut they come into every fight with the same game plan and they're losing they're on the verge of not or of getting cut um and something's gotta change they either need to improve the defense, block more strikes, not take as much damage, or they need to, I don't know, start moving a little more, not just standing and trading. Um, Get better at fight basics is what you're telling me. Yeah, I mean, it's it's like that clip where Holloway points at the ground in the last 10 seconds and they just start slugging it out. It's like that's all they want to do. It can be fun to watch, but it's not like they'll, they'll never make it far as a UFC fighter if they don't make improvements to their game. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Todorovic doesn't have the best strike defense, leaves his hands very far down, doesn't block much, um, and that's just a recipe for going night-night. Yeah, for me, this is just a a misprice on Todorovic's defense versus Patolo's offense. I completely agree with you. Neither of these guys are going to be on the roster very long. Yeah. Um, like, they're not actually good at UFC. That being said, from a betting perspective, I think I'm getting a lot of value for two units on Patolo plus 135. Um, just for a guy that I think brawls better in a brawl, <laughs> if that makes any sort of sense. So the two bets that I'm considering for this, uh, the one I really like is fight doesn't complete two full rounds at minus one ten. I, I think that's very good value because, like we say, these guys just want to slug it. They they want to land the big punch and have a walkout KO. Yeah. And they're both going to be very desperate for a win, being on the verge of getting cut. Um. So I think they come out trading from the get-go. Um, and then I'm also considering Patolo by knockout for, or at plus 320 for a unit as well. Yeah, I like that. I mean, I think I don't think this goes the distance. I think the KO is, is highly I, I just think it's inevitable that one of them is going to land one of their big power shots cleanly. Yeah, and the, and the thing about Todorovic, which for all of his faults, is he's huge. Um, which is you know, part of the reason why he's been stuck around is because I know the UFC is just like, look at the frame on this kid. Like, can he really not fight at all? Um, which, speaking of guys who can't really fight, uh, first fight on the main card, Morono versus Mickey Gall. Mickey Gall is not a UFC fighter. <laughs> like, I know you and I are kind of in agreement on that. Like, he, he, what you said earlier, what, how did he come into the UFC? 
pretty sure he was brought in to be the guy that takes on CM Punk and CM Punk's one UFC fight. Uh, he submitted CM Punk, good for him, but he skipped all of the kind of prerequisite steps to make it to the UFC. He had one professional fight, and then he got added to the UFC roster, won a couple by submission in a row, and is now just aggressively mediocre. He sucks on his feet, although he has, quote-unquote, improved, but he's still going to get pieced up by anybody that has trained for a couple of years. Um, Moreno's also a, a terrifying specimen at welterweight. Yeah, so I, I think this is really just the UFC kind of hyping up a guy that has had a couple of big performances recently and lambs the slaughter for Gall here. Um, Gall's a wrestler. He wants to get it to the ground and get a submission. I don't think that's going to be possible against Moreno. Moreno's very hard to hold down you might get him to the ground but he pops right back up he is insanely strong um and is skilled enough in jujitsu that it's not super threatening um or a submission is not super threatening to him so i i think this stays on the feet and moreno's gonna absolutely pick him to pieces pick gall to pieces um and by the end of the fight, gasp Gall out and go big for a knockout. Like, sort of like what we saw with the fight against Cowboy, where he just started throwing four, five, six punch kick combos um, until until Gall drops to the ground. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Morono's. So here's the thing with Morono, right? He's six and two over his last eight. His two losses are to Chaos Williams by KO. And Anthony Pettis by KO. Both of those guys historically already ranked, and for chaos already, already ranked very, very highly in welterweight KO stats. Like, that's how they make their bones. Um, Mickey Gall is not going to knock Morono out. And with that being the case, um, I completely agree with you. Welterweight is very stagnant. They need some new life up at the top of the division because Usman has slaughtered anyone who's come to him. Morono actually presents a pretty decent style of fighter for Usman. Now, will Usman destroy him? Absolutely. But this fight with a knockout gives Morono the ability to call out a guy like, uh, you know, somewhere in the top 15 where he could start generating some, some uh, hype behind him. Um, I completely agree. That's why Gall is up here. It's not because Gall deserves to be up here, but I think it's more of a case for Morono to prove that he has the hands to knock people out. And I'll bite. Like I'm, I'm going to take Morono inside the distance plus 265 for one unit. Um, I think this is a battering of Mickey Gall's face. I'm taking inside the distance just because I don't want to eat um, – I don't want to predict this fight, and then instead of ground and pounding him, he goes into a rear naked choke and submits him because I know he is a jiu-jitsu guy, so like that, that would be something that he's comfortable with. Uh, that's the only reason why I'm going to take inside the distance. I think Mickey Gall is going to need significant reconstructive surgery after this one. Yeah, so I'm, I'm also taking that inside the distance bet at plus 265. I'm doing two units on it. Um, All right, I see you. I'll do that too. Whatever. <laughs> My, my initial gut feeling here was to take Morono by knockout just because I don't think he's going to want to get on the ground and roll with a guy that can get chokes. Yeah. Um, like, if, if Gall gets it to the ground, he's going to take the back and he's going to look for a choke. Whether he gets it or not, it's a different question. Um, but I do think towards the end of the fight, Gall's tired, Morono hits him with a big shot, and then pounces on the back. So I'm also going to add Morono by knockout, plus 350 one unit, but just having that inside the distance to cover in the case that he does get that late submission. I also think it's very likely that, you know, Mickey Gall's a jiu-jitsu guy. That's where he's comfortable. He gets battered. He makes a devastatingly awkward shot. Um, and then just based off of positioning, Morono just is going to, you know, submit him from the back. 
Yeah, and, and those guys that wrestle and grapple like that, when they get hit with a big shot when they're tired, their first instinct is, I'm just going to dive at the legs. And it's ugly, it's clunky, and a recipe to get caught in a guillotine. Yeah. Which um, is why I, I love that inside the distance bet. Yeah, yeah, I think we're in agreement there. I, I don't see how that fight goes well for Gall at all. Um, <laughs> moving up, next fight. Um, I think we're both in agreement here. I think we're taking the massive dog, uh, Curtis, who I was referencing earlier when I talked about Wells, which is a tough look if you go and look at their photos. But uh, Curtis is is a guy who um, will uh, – you showed me that video earlier. Yeah, so Curtis came into the UFC, like, I think his record's 27 and 8. All right, he came in 26 and 8. And first fight was against Phil Hawes. Phil Hawes is a beast. And Curtis caught him with a clean left hand that did so much damage. Hawes ran away for about 10 seconds and then dead fish to the floor and covered up for dear life. Like, he realized that there was no way he was going to be able to recover in the last 30 seconds of the round. And so he just gave up. And I realize that Curtis is coming into this short notice. He won all five of his fights in 21, 2021 so far by knockout, or four of them by knockout, two of those first-round knockouts. Um, and the short notice to me makes me want to take the knockout artist even more. You know, he's going to come out, he's going to realize I didn't have a full camp, my cardio is going to be worse than it normally is. I need to get the, get in and out as fast as possible. Um, so I, I'm considering going really big on him, taking a couple different plays. Um, but throughout his career, 14 knockouts. Um, he's only been knocked out once. He's been submitted once. I think Curtis is going to be or Allen's going to be the better all-around fighter, but does not have that same level of power. Um, I, I'm just counting on one big shot to get through, pretty much. Yeah, I, yeah, so, and I think that's the most likely way here. Um, you know, Curtis is terrifying. Now, even though he's two, he's four inches shorter, but their reach is the same. Um, I like. I'm completely on your side here. I just think all the values on Curtis, and this is one of those bets where if the start of the card goes well with me, a unit will be placed on Curtis first round KO. Okay. Yeah. So, so the bets that I love here are Curtis wins by knockout at plus four fifty. That that is the only way he's going to win this fight. He's not going to take it to a decision and steal the decision. Um, he he's just not going to have the stamina for that. But if you want to get really technical and go for big money on this, Chris Curtis wins by first round knockout at plus 900 or wins by second round knockout at plus 1200. Yeah. And if we've got a winning record going into this fight on earlier bets, I will be putting a unit on both first round and second round knockouts. Yeah. Uh, his, you know, he's just, there's too much. There's too much power to have it priced like that. I understand that Allen is a good fighter, but this is not GSP. Like, this is not a great defensive fighter that we're talking about over here. He's a jiu-jitsu guy. Um, he historically has gotten punched in the face a lot. If you go back to his uh, uh, Punahele Soriano fight, um, it was not one of those things where – uh, that was off of the Sandhagen Dillashaw card. Um, but it was not one of those things where you watched that and you were like, oh, wow. Um, you know, Brendan Allen is, is, is an absolute beast. Like, he got punched in the face 46 times. <laughs> like, and Soriano is not exactly, um, you know, a high-volume type of guy, nor does he have the knockout power that we're talking Curtis has. So... There, there's just no reason for it to be priced exorbitantly high. If you're going to give me 10 to 1 on the guy who I know is going to chase a knockout in the first round, I'm going to take it. 
Curtis is also a vet. He's been around for a long time, and he's had five title fights yeah. in other organizations. Like he, he is good at what he does. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna lay the juice on this fight and try to make a lot with this. Yeah. Um, the old man fight of the card is Guida versus Santos. Um, I don't want to talk too long about it, but. Uh, you know, just give me your quick two-liner here. Uh, Santos is 41 years old, took three years off from the sport, came back, and looks a lot slower. Guida has been more active in that same time period. He's fought five times as opposed to three times against much tougher competition and still has an incredible gas tank. His cardio is just off the chart good. Yeah. Um, I, I can see him keeping it on the feet and dragging this out to a decision. And if that's the case, I think he's going to be able to gas Santos out probably midway through the second, early third, and just lay a beating on him. I, I think he can steal a uh, decision one, so I'm going to put one unit on him on Guida money line at plus 160. I will say I don't really like a lot of that off the drop here. If, however... Guida goes down after the first round, I will probably put a small one-unit bet on his live line because his second and third is where he really makes his bones. Um, just with that gas thing you were talking about. Next fight, Jimmy Groot, uh, Jamal Hill. Um, we are split on this one. I think we see the fight going the same way. Basically, it comes down to this. Is Jamal Hill going to punch Jimmy Groot in the face? while they're standing or is Jimmy Crute going to punch Jamal Hill in the face while they're on the ground? Um, I'm going to put two units on Jamal Hill to punch him while they're standing. Um, I think that we're kind of overreacting to the Paul Craig fight here, which I think Paul Craig is a terrifying human being. Um, Jamal Hill is still the guy that I watched piece up OSP um, and a brave and the Abreu fight was a no contest, but uh, he was fighting very well in that. Um, I like him. I like. I really like him as a dog. To me, it's a value play. Um, if if the price tag was Jimmy Crute for us one fifty one fifty, I would probably be on that side of the coin. So uh, it to me, this is all about value. I think this is a very interesting stylistic fight, and I think for the price I'm getting, Jamal Hill is going to be where I ride. Yeah, and so I'm on the other side. I'm taking Crute by submission at plus 200 for two units. Um, I, I think Crute is smart enough to realize he's got a five-inch reach advantage on me. He is probably stronger than me, and I am much better at wrestling than he is. I mean, we saw, we saw that there are some holes in the submission defense. Yeah. Um, in, that, in that fight against Paul Craig, like, we know that if can get it to the ground he can hunt for that submission um and i i just don't think he takes the chance in the stand-up game you know he averages five takedowns in a fight at an 80 percent success rate and i i think he just from the get-go is hitting blast doubles yeah um i will say that the the you know, in the other side of that too is like we can look to the Paul Craig fight for Hill and be like, oh, there was issues. Hundred percent agree there was. We can also look to the Crute fight with Anthony Smith and be like, wow, leg kicks killed him. Um, I think it's going to be very. The the reason why I think this fight is going to be really interesting is that we're going to see which fighters in their camp adjusted better. Did Crute learn how to check a leg kick way better than Hill learned how to defend against submissions? I honestly probably side that way. It's a lot easier to defend how to do the leg kick avoidance than it is to just teach a guy how to act on the ground. Um, and that's why the odd makers have priced it this way. I also can't deny that Jimmy Crute was on a great run. But to quote my main man, Brendan Schaub, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. I think Jamal Hill punches Crute in the face a couple times, kicks him in the calf a couple times. Um, and it was just so gnarly the first time I watched him get leg kicked uh, that I, I, I'm going to have to go with Hill here. I, I'm not ready to – Hill made me a lot of money early, 
I'm not ready to jump off the bandwagon yet. However, a second loss against Krupp, or, or a second loss two in a row against a guy like Krupp, who I know is an up-and-coming guy, um, would be would be one of the nails in the coffin there. Uh, next fight, Riddell Fizia, violence. There should be a lot of violence here. Uh, what yeah, are you thinking? Th- this is an automatic shoo-in for fight of the night, performance of the night, something. Somebody's getting a performance bonus here. Yeah. Um, honestly, and this is what I love about the UFC just compared to boxing. In boxing, if this was a matchup, they wouldn't make it. They would wait until they were both 20 and 1 and then make the fight. And by them, it's not nearly as exciting because both the guys have aged significantly. We are getting to watch Riddell and Fiziev, two young guys and peak performance, get to smash each other for 15 minutes here, and I'm all about it. Um, Riddell is – so for me, the main issue in this fight is gas tank. Riddell has the gas tank. Fiziev does not. I do not feel comfortable betting who's going to get starched in the first round. If that's how the fight's in, if that's how this fight ends – I'm more than willing to just take my losses there and say, yeah. I think both of these guys are strong enough mentally and strong enough physically to do something like that. I also think both of these guys are um, absolute warriors, and I don't think it's going to be a first-round KO, um, which is why another prop that we found on Bovada, uh, Riddell in round three or by decision at plus 170. I'm putting two units there. Um, Riddell is a guy who's consistently fought in championship bouts. He's gone five rounds before. He's gonna have. We know he has the gas tank weight. Now, um, it, it, Will, to your point, you pointed this out earlier. Fiziev does not have the gas tank weight, but Riddell is also a slow starter, and Fiziev loves to come out firing. So that is not what you love, but that's also why we're getting a great price on it. If he weathers the first round, I think Riddell is is very very capable and you will probably find me doubling down if if it gets out of the first round and it doesn't look ungodly awful you can probably find me putting a little bit extra on riddell money line here yeah and so so the big thing here for me is there's such high volume fighters but when you look at the type of strikes that they throw physio consumes consumes a lot more energy because he goes for the big kicks he wants the body kicks he wants head kicks and that takes a lot more out of you than a jab does um i think riddell will pace himself better i think he's got a high enough fight iq to not gas himself out um and like you were saying he's had some problems starting too slow and playing catch up He's caught up every single fight. He hasn't lost yet, you know? Um, It's not the place that you want to get to against Fiziev where you're down a round after round one. But he gets better as the fight goes, and Fiziev gets significantly worse as the fight goes. So I I think taking that third round um, or or a finish in the third round when Fiziev is tired or Riddell to win by decision, I, I feel like this is one of the more sure bets we have just because if it makes it to that third round, Fiziev is going to be so tired. He's going to be gassed. He's not throwing with really any force behind his kicks, punches, whatever. And Riddell can just overwhelm him. I also think that um, a big thing that's going to come into play here, you know, Riddell is the main sparring partner for Volk. Um, What's a Volk staple of his game? If it's been a back and forth round, um, go for the takedown, secure a late takedown with 20 seconds left, throw a couple ground and pound punches, and bank that round. Um, you know, City Kickboxing, I think they only one, maybe two guys on the card here. Um, it would not surprise me at all if Riddell uses that same strategy early with Fiziev. You know, Fiziev is, they're going to have a back and forth early round. Fiziev, I would assume, wins most of the exchanges because historically he has, and Riddell has started slow. But a late takedown in round one could really be the tide changer in this style of fight. Um, and I, I've got a back – I've just got a back Riddell here. I, this is a guy who's fought guys like Drew Dober. Fiziev has a lot of uh, momentum behind him, but I'm not sure he has the strength of schedule that Riddell has. 
Um, that being said, this is going to be an awesome fight. It's definitely one of those that you're going to want to tune in for. Um, and it, it, these last two fights on this card, that's my, that's my last play money-wise right now, but these last two fights on this card I think are absolutely awesome. Talk me through how you see this, uh, how the main fight going. Yeah, so the Aldo Fon fight, I think, is another guaranteed option to be at or considered for fight of the night. Um, and I think it's going to be a really interesting chess match for most of this fight. Um, you know, people have been saying that Rob Font is the best boxer in the UFC recently or should be on that list of best boxers. And I'm going to push back on that. I think he might have the best jab in the UFC. I don't think he's the best overall boxer. Um, he benefits hugely from having a very large reach for his weight class. Um, he normally has like a four, five, six inch reach advantage over guys he's fighting against. And against Aldo, it's going to be one inch. So the jab is going to be less effective. It's not going to keep Aldo at distance like it normally does in his other fights. Um, and he's also never fought a defensive mastermind like Aldo. Aldo does everything perfectly. He checks the leg kicks perfectly. He's got unbelievable head movement. Um, he slips in and out. He touches you once, twice, slips in and out. And I, I just think he will get off to a hot start when rounds one and two. Um, and steal either three or four. We, we saw what fight was it? The Marlon Marais fight, maybe? Yeah, yeah. His cardio started going. He looked bad in the fifth round, fourth, fifth round. Um, he, he's looked sensational since he lost to Jan in that title fight. Yep. He, he's looked renewed again. Um, so I think he's 100% capable of stealing three rounds in this fight early on and then just kind of coasting for the last two uh, and make, making fun chase that finish which i don't think he's going to get against a guy that defends as well as aldo so i'm putting two units on aldo money line at plus 121 and one on aldo by decision at plus 250 i don't think he's likely to get a finish this stage in his career um but i think he can very easily um work his way to a decision here I, I, I think there's a big thing here of um, Aldo and where Teixeira was a year ago is where Aldo is now. Where, you know, in their respective weight classes, kind of in that, you know, weird stage of we don't really know how old they are, how the mileage has affected them yet. Um, you know, given Aldo a guy like Font here is kind of a signal from the UFC of, hey, like, you've got to start competing against the elite competition or we're going to stop giving it to you. Now, in Aldo's defense, he has. Ever since that Jan fight, he's reeled off uh, two victories over very, very scary people. Um, and I think Aldo is the worst type of matchup for a guy like uh, Sterling. Now, obviously, Jan is going to get to rematch for that title, but it is one of those things of, uh, you know, I think, in, in all honesty, I think it took him two fights to get used to the weight cut and how he feels. Um, and now he's ready to roll. Um, I completely agree with you. I think the savvy vet here is the way to go. I think decision is something. As these guys get older, they get more and more accustomed to how the scoring feeling. They get better at realizing it during the fights. Um, and I completely agree. A lot of what Rob Font has done is based off of big size advantage. Now, he is very good at it. That's not, that's not a knock on him. Um, that'd be the same way as me saying, like, oh, a lot of what Francis Ngannou has done is based off of pure knockout power. That's not a bash. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. However, it is something to note that he won't have that advantage stylistically that he normally entertains with guys at Bantamweight. Um, but yeah, it went a little long today, guys. Um, but th it's just because we see this is one of those cards where we see a lot, a lot of value. There's a lot of things to come at and bet here. 
um, a lot of good lines and a lot, especially a lot of you know props and methods that you can find that that really scream a lot of value here. But go ahead, uh, definitely throw us a follow at EFS Will and at Parmesan Picks on Twitter. Um, go ahead and look through our website, uh, electricfactorysports.com, and make sure to listen to our next podcast coming out about uh, college football championship weekend in the NFL.